3: favorite song on life after death is My Downfall.
0: Nobody was talking about King until they labeled him the king of New York.
4: Like, I say it all the time. He's the best rapper we will ever see.
2: 26 years ago, we tragically lost one of the greatest music artists that ever lived. In the sphere of hip-hop... Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G., is revered as one of the greatest of all time writer, rapper, and songwriters, a GOAT. His final body of work was the impeccable double album Life After Death, a succession of infectious hit records and impossibly poignant rhymes that soared from certified diamond to iconic. 2022 marked the year that Life After Death turned 25. As well as the year that our dear friend Big Papa would have been 50 years old. I'm Angie Martinez, the voice of New York, and I spent five consecutive nights speaking with those who were closest to Biggie during the final 18 months of his life, in and out of the studio. The result is an eight episode visual podcast fit for a king. Welcome to season one of Iconic Records. Death is rich With vibrant singles Like Hypnotized And More Money More Problems The album's darkness Is undeniable A dominant theme Is death Whether by Fictitious murders Or Biggie Prophesizing his own The song that captures This best Is My Downfall On episode 5 We have an ensemble Of guests Break down the brilliance Of the descending track My Downfall's producer Nasheem Merrick Makes another appearance To further illuminate Biggie's crown Then the man who loved Christopher Wallace Like none other Little C's joins me for one of his realest interviews ever. But first, we're talking to Mike B. Well, this is the album we're really getting into now. It's like life after death. And so talk to me about what being in them studio sessions was like and witnessing that.
1: So one of my favorite sessions, he came in and knocked out two records at the same time. And it was was the two R. Kelly records. Mm. And when I tell you this man he knocked it out and because Big never wrote lyrics, right? I'm not gonna say he never wrote lyrics, but by the time he really started recognizing who he was as this artist, he just stopped writing and everything was just in his head.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So one one session, Big came in and the way this man came in and literally knocked it out, he was like, like I've I've never really seen a work ethic like this before, right? He knocks out You Remind Me First. And it was it was kinda crazy because he goes in and he's like, you know, his his routine is Sitting there and there's just traffic in and out of the studio and he's just sitting there smoking. You got the henny, you got the Malibu with the pineapple and the and the and the peanut butter jars of Branson all over the place. And <laughs> C's is just, you know, in his zone and B.I. is just taking all of this in. And he goes in the booth and he's like sitting, reminiscing, or you know, Daisy started this and spitting in the faces of public places. It's like the way his flow was just so ill. It's like, while you listening to him, it's like, you can't help but to dance while you listening <laughs> to him. you like, oh shit, yo, this kid is rocking this joint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then when he knocks that out, he's like, all right, y'all can send that out. And, and you know, I think Doug Wilson at the time was the engineer and Doug was like, you sure I said, You done? He's like, yeah, I'm done. Let's go to the next joint. And he goes to, wait And then he just goes into that joint. This was probably the illest session. And this was probably, this was was the last session that I got to see Big rock out. And Big had like an eight o'clock session. It was booked for eight. But again, blame it on hip hop. Big probably got there like 9.30. And he had, he had, two more verses to finish on um, downfall, right? So he had already dropped that first verse. So for this next session, he comes in like 9.30. And, you know, I think this was one of the first times I ever saw a big, like, like I guess, um, I, I want to say writer's block, but he didn't write. So I guess he was like mind block or whatever the case. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, he actually gets up and he's like, yo, I'll be back. And, you know, like, I'm I'm the assistant, but I'm like, hey, bro, like, where are where you going, though? You still got to finish this up. So he's like, no, I'm just going up the block to watch a movie. Big went to see Casino that night.
2: <laughs> he went to the movies in the middle of the session.
1: <laughs> yes, to see Casino. And mind you, Casino's like a three-hour movie. Dumbly. Right? Yeah. Okay. So he comes back and it's like, maybe, like, after 12. And and he comes in, but before he left, he made sure, he told the engineer, he's like, yo, don't touch anything. Make sure you turn that up and keep it up, right? So meanwhile, we're in the studio, and we just grooving to this instrumental, like, ill, right? So... <laughs>
2: but he made the song keep playing the whole yes, time he's gone? Yes, absolutely.
1: I tell you no lie. <laughs> I tell you no lie. Word to big, yeah. right? So, so he comes back. He doesn't even come into the control room. He goes straight into the booth. So at this time, you can hear the chair. You can hear the chair. He's getting adjusted in the chair and all of that. And um, he's like, he just goes to the booth. And he's like, oh, uh, oh, uh. this goes out the cat's. Fingers in they ass again, $20 half a man, daydreaming, fuck around, get wet like semen, your whole teaming, be more gone than Freeman. I took the creaming, moved to new places, new faces, fuck the screw faces. I was like, oh my God, this shit is crazy. I was like, what? Yo, let me tell you, (laughs) when he finished that shit, I went into the booth. I dapped him up. I said, yo, Big, you the fucking hardest, yo. you the endless rapper ever. He was like, yo, you stupid, yo. What are you doing? I was, like, I was like, I don't know, B, but yo, that was crazy right there. And, and it's like, although that wasn't a story, but per bar, that's how ill he was. Even if he's hitting you with two bars, you can still visualize what he's saying. He's like, and the, and, and the wordplay, the metaphor is like, be more gone than Freeman, Morgan Freeman. I took the cream in, moved to new places, new faces, fuck the screw faces. He's like, yo, screw y'all, I'm over here now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The
2: fact that he went to see Casino in the middle of the session for inspiration. That there is crazy <laughs> in, it, in
1: itself.
2: When qualifying the ingeniousness behind the DMC featured track, it's Maestro Nasheem Merrick gets super technical. My advice is to sit back, relax, and take notes.
5: See, my amazement with Big is all everlasting. Every song is amazement. It's a new amazement. Like um, um, what's beef? I actually told Puff not to give that to Big because I was like, it's that. That's not. That's that. That track is not hard big enough for big like it's not hard enough I didn't want to I didn't want to take a I didn't want to take an L with that track but then Puff comes and it's like listen to what your man did on the track and it's like oh my god amazed again I never I never thought that record could sound that way
2: tell me about that like what is it that he did
5: the chorus what's beef beef is he explains it you know the pocket he's in, it's not ordinary. No other MC is gonna come up with a pocket like that on that track. It's the same for downfall. People don't even hear downfall in that rhythm. It's hard to catch that rhythm on that track. Ask any MC. He just amazes you because he he has his own way of um hearing things. Mm. And his pocket is ridiculous. Re- Ridiculous, like his pocket, it's like none other. I mean, if one day ask Jay about that. Jay knows because Jay's in the same type of um, realm. His pocket is ridiculous. No one's going to hit them them two record them two tracks the way Big did.
2: Mm-hmm. Was that your favorite thing about him as an artist? Yeah. The pocket. The pocket.
5: The pocket, the pocket was crazy.
2: Explain what that is for somebody who doesn't make music.
5: All right. So for people who don't make music, a pocket. It's the rhythm (laughs) that he comes through on the track. It's the bounce. It's the, I can't explain it, but that way. But it's It's like
2: he's an instrument.
5: Yeah, he is. Uh But the rhythm, the bounce that he has, the rhythm that he has on a track, that's his pocket. And not many people were going to... Everyone has their own pocket. Don's has his own pocket. Jay has his own pocket. You know, you listen to Cats of Today. Push has his own pocket. You know, Drake has his own pocket. But Big is going to dazzle you because you would never expect him to come or anyone to come this way. Downfall is a definite attribute to... His creativeness.
2: Mm.
5: He's phenomenal with it.
2: What do you think it was about your beats, though, that brought out what it did
5: out what of big. big? Yeah. I don't
2: know. I think me and him
5: just had a connection of um, old soul. That's why I used to give him like old soul records mainly, and um, the way I would chop them. He will understand that rhythm. I just wish I could have worked with him more, and we would have had more stories to tell. Like on the Mary record, that they used Queen Bitch, and Kim actually, um, I can love you. Yeah. He's like, you like that verse? I'm like, yeah. So I, was like, I don't like that verse. I don't like her on that. He
2: didn't like it.
5: Nah, He did not like that verse. But I just think he was mad at her because they was they was stop they wasn't talking. I don't think they was talking at the time.
2: <laughs> so he was like fuck your verse.
5: <laughs> him, and, him and Kim was always going at it with something. Yeah.
2: She bodied that verse.
5: I know, right? That's what I said. I told yeah. him. I like I love that verse. Yeah, I don't like that verse.
2: <laughs> was he hating?
5: Yeah, I think so. A little <laughs> bit. A little bit. I think he was hating a little bit.
2: Where do you think Big is ranked? Well, On with me. D? Just, yeah, um, just an all time. With me, it's
5: number one. I don't I don't give a fucking that he only had two albums. Right. <laughs> He's number one. I'm, I'm, I'm biased. Yeah. And I, I state it.
2: There may not be a better person to dissect this track than Pusha T. You'll see what I mean.
5: My favorite song on Life
3: After Death is My Downfall. Because mm. I still to this day do not understand how he rapped over that beat. The beat is offbeat to me the beat is off beat to me and um I don't know I still don't know how I would catch that beat you know what I'm saying like and for it to to be my favorite record like for it to be my favorite record and I'm talking about he black right he blacks over the beat but as a rapper I would have definitely tackled it because I love it so much but I can't and that's how I know he's like you know just you know he has he has so many different rap moments that let you know that like no nah, I was like years beyond
2: can you break down that is as an mc like somebody who doesn't make music like how they could understand how artistic and how brilliant that was what he did
3: um i like to say that big has a collage style of like writing like um you know it's it's definitely no rhyme or reason to line a to line you know lines a through z i mean let's say from line a to b could be polar opposite feelings or anything but he just he just stuffs it all in there and makes it sound like one like one cohesive chaotic collage right mm-hmm. um even emotionally um you know he would he would he would talk about his daughter in raps and you know right behind you saying your love for your daughter or something it might come like a a super gun line or a super just like gangster line and it's like wait a minute bro you you're taking me on a roller coaster ride with you like i was i was just dialing into the fact that you know if you if it was up to me you would be with me you know mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> Kinda of like Daddy Dearest. My vision be the clearest. Silences so you don't hear it. Why? Why are you throwing guns next to next to your daughter? <laughs> to the you know,
2: make sure you're paying attention. Keep you on your toes.
3: Yeah. For me, as a as a rapper, he was like yanking me all type of different directions. Um, 2015. Um, people don't know that Puff executive produced. Um, darkest before dawn my second solo album mm-hmm. and the wild part about it was we would be in a studio and you know he'd listen to a verse and if he if he could if he could kind of tell where i was going in the next line he didn't want it and mm. i was like oh my god and it clicked i was like oh my god this is where like he was like yeah he was like nah man i, I mean i knew you was gonna halfway say that or I knew you was gonna you know it was gonna end kind of like that like nah I don't want that bar and I was like oh my god this is where this has been like this has been like a code that has been um you know a code from 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 the big discography that I've always like admired
2: yeah oh that's a good one um did he give you any other just being in the studio with Puff, did you pick up on any other things that may have been the code of Biggie or the code of Did you uncrack um, any of those other codes?
3: I remember being in the car with my friends or being in the being in the car with Pharrell and like we're like spazzing out um over like you know over the bars, and then we'd like stop the music and be like, but bro, but why? What made him say that right there? Like why? <laughs> and and you know, like, you know, like we're like bar writers. Like we're like, you know, just bar line for line for line, like, you know, very, very cohesive. So the fact that he didn't write like that was like, that used to throw us for a loop. And I used to, we used to try to just get into the mind of like, yo, what would make him do this? Why? Like what even took him that way? And, you know, we, we, as as we got older and as we got more seasoned in the game and more seasoned into into um just, you know, lyricism, we just found out like, man, there was no rhyme or reason. That was just the way his mind worked. Yeah. And we would try to like, we would try to copy that, but we were, it was so effortless with him. Like, even when, if you hear me do it today, know and trust that I thought about that because I don't necessarily think like that.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's the magic of big, right? Favorite verse? Did you think of that? Favorite big verse? Um,
3: it's it's gonna it's gonna be my downfall. It's gonna be my downfall. And it's like, you know, the man started off. I dreamed filthy, bro.
2: <laughs> like I don't even like. Come
3: <laughs> that's, on, a great, like
2: that's a great. That's a great line. Who says I that?
3: Filthy. My my mom and pops mix mixed me with Jamaican rum and whiskey. Uh, like come like. I don't know how he thinks. This was like art. This was like, this was like so, uh, like, he was just so artistic to me in his description. And it's like, it, it just made, I could never think of it, but it made all the sense in the world when he did it.
2: Bones Malone accurately describes my downfall as spooky. Although Big didn't respond directly to Tupac's attacks, he used the haunting beat to speak to his friend turned foe as well as his future killers. A perfect time for Clark Kent to make an iconic records return. What's your favorite song on life after death? Aside from your own?
4: It's it's probably um Downfall.
2: Because
4: mm. he went he went he he just went eight shit on Downfall. And then like, you know, he passed. And when I heard Downfall again, because you know he passed, and then the album comes out, and I'm hearing Downfall, and the words, "You know who killed him, filled him with the lugas," I just was like, "Yeah, yeah, y'all know." And like, it the song just became something different to me.
0: Mm. You
4: know what I'm saying? So, you'd be more gone than Freeman. People's like, "Oh shit, Morgan Freeman." I'm like, "No, more gone than a free man."
2: Oh,
4: cats don't get raps. You, you cats don't get raps.
2: <laughs> tell tell me some of the other one, the like your favorite Biggie lyrics, especially on this album.
4: Do you have on this album? It's way too many. He just he went crazy. Like
2: ones that you think people missed, like
4: that. I I think when when uh I think most of the rhymes that I feel like were the illest on this album were on that record. You know what I'm saying? Down. It's funny because. I completely forgot for like a year that I did the scratches on the record. Like one day I was just like listening to the song and then the scratches go by. And I was like, wait, and I, I was like, oh, shit, I did those scratches. <laughs> like because so much time had, and it was like, yo, come in to do the studio, do these scratches real quick. I go do the scratches and the hook was so off. And I just I paid no attention to. The shit. I was like, nah, they ain't keeping that shit. And then the record comes out you're not, because I'm so Biggie attentive, I'm like, I'm not hearing anything but Biggie. And then months go by and I'm like, oh shit, who's it? scratching on? Oh shit, that's me
1: scratching. <laughs> and then I'm
4: like, and and this is like my favorite record on the album. And it's not because of the scratches, but it's because of how wild he went. You know what I'm saying? When when you're Caribbean, because I'm Panamanian, and you say my moms and pops miss me with making rum and whiskey. Oh. What a set off! I'm just like, yes, my grandfather and grandmother, Panamanian and Jamaican. I get it; they were crazy. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, and you hear it, you hear it differently if you can relate to it a thousand percent. Of course. And and get in your ass quick, fast. Like Ramadan is the rap phenomenon. Don Dada. Like, (laughs) like people don't even know that that like whole first. Well, I think people know he was he was getting directly at Nas.
2: Break
4: it down. Break it, it down. You rain on the top of shore like leprechauns, or that crush all called willies, thugs, and rapadons. Dons. get in that ass get fast like Ramadan. It's a rap phenomenon. da da. Fuck Papa. You got to call me Francis M H White. I take like from the beginning. He was talking that that little piece and like Nas knew. Nas was like, "Nah, I got to get at this." What part of the that verse? It's Your specific. reign on the top was short like leprechauns.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Nas was the man when Biggie dropped. For sure. Nas was the king. Your reign on the top was short like leprechauns. That's our like crushed so called willies, mm-hmm. thugs, and Rapidons. Get in that ass quick, fast, like Ramadan. Quick, fast, like Ramadan. Fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Magnificent ride. <laughs> Magnificent. <laughs> Magnificent. Like, fuck, kicking the door. Jesus Christ. Kicking the door? Give it to what? me, Clark. Can we, tell me the bars, your, your favorite. Like the whole record is crazy to me. Like I say it all the time. He's the best rapper we will ever see because of what he could do with one, his MC talent, but two, all the other parts that make the rap. Like Biggie made it okay to be 280 pounds. Like that Black- shit is some other shit.
2: And not because, you know, people like credit Heavy D for being the first like big flag guy. Yeah, but, but he was too was like black, ugly as ever. Right. Like self-proclaimed black, like, ugly right. as ever. Like I'm leaned black, into I'm, that. He
4: leaned into it like fuck all your bitches.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Even
4: though I'm black and I'm ugly as ever, I'm going to get all of your chicks. And, and he did. He had so much game.
2: It's interesting to hear people talk about the player that big was and then but also this dark side and people talking about him being outside the block strap mm-hmm. you know or, um yeah
4: that, that was until the rapper emerged and once the rapper emerged he wasn't outside on the block strap no more he would have somebody around him that was strapped yeah. but um we were in ohio and we were backstage about to go on and somebody i don't know who the person was but just was like yo Why'd you do that to Pac? And he just slapped the shit out of him. I was just like, yeah, you deserve that because he ain't do nothing to Pac. You know, like... Biggie's dead because Pac lied. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If he doesn't lie, we don't have an East Coast, West Coast beef. We don't have, like, he, he's dead because he lied.
2: Give me the lie.
4: He said that Biggie set him up. Mm -hmm. You know Biggie didn't set you up. You know he didn't set you up. You know that he didn't know you was coming to the studio. Mm -hmm. You know that. Why would you say that? You know, you're 1,000% sure. Why would you say that? That is the reason why they took our mans from us. Because one lie.
2: Do you think it was a lie or a misunderstanding? No,
4: it was a lie. And he knew, he knew that, he knew, he knew it had nothing to do with Biggie, 1000%. Mm. Then why do you think he said
2: that? Because
4: he didn't want to say what really happened.
2: Mm.
4: Mm. How about that?
2: There is no little C's without the Notorious B.I.G., the man born, James Lloyd, was by a big side from the inception of his rap career until he took his last breath. 26 years later, after losing his best friend, he stands on his own, too, but is still not fully healed. Seize is here! Boys in New York, what's up? here! Hi, baby. What's up, family? This is going to be my favorite. How you doing? You know I love you. We always hear people talk about how much love, you know, he had for you and stuff, but... When did you realize that how much he loved you?
0: Oh, man. I mean, it's so many, but I would probably think about the one time where I really knew he genuinely cared about me um, was one time when I, you know, when he was trying to go out of town to go hustle in North Carolina, you know, he used to always ride with a certain group of people, a certain car. And I used to always be on the block on Fulton Street like, yo, let me come with you. Because I used to always see other people come with him every now and then. He'd go hustle for a month, come back with the bread and do what he'd do. And then he'd take somebody else. And I just felt like, yo, why are you not taking me? I want to come. You're how old? I was 13. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was 13 years old. And I'm like, you know, I'm skipping school you know, ditching my bags under his staircase, acting like I'm going to school, but I would literally just walk a block away from my house and go stash my my book bag under his his staircase and go sit up in there and rewind his beats while he writes songs. And I was like, yo, why you not taking me there? Like, I want to go with you out there That I wanted to show myself and try to prove myself like all the other little Danino Browns and the other little young guys from the mafia that was part of my group. I wanted to be like them because I was the youngest out of all my homeboys, and Mm -hmm. he would not never let me do it. But the minute he got a record deal, and the minute rap became something that was a part of his life, I didn't leave his side from there. Mm. And that's when I knew what he was actually doing for me at that point.
2: Protecting you.
0: Yeah, yeah. He didn't want me to get into that, and he felt like I just... I don't know, I think about that now because you know, I'm in my 40s. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little older now than being 13. So I kind of figured what he was doing for me, he was actually just trying to save me and like, nah, you, you got something, or, or I see something in you that's just a little different from anybody else. So I'm gonna protect you from getting caught up in all the you know, the negative things that was going on in my neighborhood. And I just think he was just somebody that was just ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. That, that's why he was meant to be stoned and engraved like this
2: and still just here and so still so present.
0: Only 24 years old, too. We're not talking about somebody that died at 54, nah, 44, crazy. 64. He died at 24 we're still talking about him after 25 years. He made Junior Mafia had number one records. Like, come on. What rapper you know doing that today? It's a different game today. You probably see that today, though. But he, he was doing that 25 years ago. Nah, it's amazing. Creating a whole atmosphere for his whole crew. No, it's amazing. <laughs> twenty four years old. We talking about a guy that was twenty four years old. Niggas don't know how special the guy was. That's why I think his legacy is so like that. Like that's why we look. Look, this is why we. You no, know, he made that. Nobody was talking about King until they labeled him the King of New York. No, he made that famous to being the King, and he ain't asked for it either. That's what the city gave him that. Mm-hmm. He ain't even asked for it. He's a cool nigga sitting back, big fat nigga with lazy eyes, smoking the blood. Like, they say I'm the king? Really? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> he didn't even give a fuck about that. Like, you know, he didn't care. His thing was just about, nah, as long as my people's on.
2: Bones was talking about doing that story for the source and that label, that title. That was early. I didn't realize, I forgot after all these years, how early they crowned him that. Yeah, super early. He
0: he only did two albums. He he was creating all these things already at like twenty something years old. He got this. He has all these different things in his head. Then he has somebody like Puff that's like, Yo, baby, what's up? What you doing? You writing something? You doing something? Yeah, he used to lock Puff out the studio.
2: What? <laughs> Tell me lock. that story. Tell Yo, me
0: like that story. for the Deaf Studio sessions, he would lock Puff out because Puff would coming in and be like, Yeah, I like that. I like that, but change this and. Change that. He'd be like, all right, all right. Dude, next time you come out of here, lock that nigga out the room. Don't let him <laughs> in. He'd tell people at the front desk of bad boy, you know, Puff call this studio room, don't, don't even don't, don't bring it in there. <laughs> Cause Puff is always coming in, like, you're not know, change this, change that, do this and that. But they worked together like that. That was they, they thing. And then Puff would come in and hear a record that big Cholie did without his input. No nothing. Like, all right. Yeah, do that like that. And he just come put his little atlas on there. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. It was already a completed thing. Like, you know, they had that like dope ass chemistry like that. And we used to have to do shit like that. Your probably can't come in here right now. No, he said, don't let you in. We lock all the doors to Daddy's house, so he won't even come in. there. It's his studio. <laughs> <laughs> he owns,
1: <laughs> he his he owns name, it. Right? His name well, is yeah. on the door. D-
0: they ain't even let him in there. He like yo, I can't go in my own room. <laughs> yo, nah, Big said don't let you in there. I, mean,
1: I do
2: remember the story. I do remember the day Big came and sat in in the room with one of the, one of the interviews we had, and he told me about Little Kim for the first time.
0: Yeah. Shout out to QB Queen B. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I mended that with her. I love her. That's my sis. For life. I love she knows that. You, that.
2: Yeah. yeah. I love that you did, too.
0: Of course.
2: People of course. don't realize you knew Kim first, right?
0: Hell yeah. 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 I met her before big. Kim is somebody I... She went to school with my youngest sister. They was like best friends. Even to this day, they they mended, they cool. And,
2: we um, love mending. Mending yeah, is course, good. of course,
0: man. Sometimes... You need to separate from people to appreciate people. Mm. You know what I mean? You ain't got to do it for no other reasons. But sometimes separation is good for preparation for the future. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you have to leave the nest to grow because sometimes you might be so comfortable with people taking care of you and making sure you're good. And yeah. Sometimes you might have to go out there and bend your own knee and go out there and move your own, you know? If Big wouldn't have passed, I don't think I would have been sitting here talking to you right now. Because if he would have been here, I wouldn't have to talk to nobody. That <laughs> nigga would have made sure I was good. For life. <laughs> I'd have be been sitting there on top of the world right now. For sure. I'd have sitting there like Christian and Justin right now with Puff. Like, I got to talk to none of you. Nigga, my pop <laughs> run this shit. Like, that type of thing. Like, really. Like, no, I, I wouldn't have to say nothing to nobody. Like, yeah. do what?
2: You celebrating the anniversary today.
0: Yeah. The only album I ever did in my life. Wonderful World of Caesar Leo came out 23 years ago today.
2: Crazy. Yeah.
0: The only album I ever did in my life.
2: And you spending your 23rd
0: anniversary yeah. talking about your man. Yeah. And it it, it kind of coincided because he was going to write my first album. And my first album was supposed to be called Puppy Love. <laughs> he was like, You don't want no guys to like you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All girls?
0: Yeah, he's wanting me to wear a knapsack and Tommy Hilfiger and, like, be a little cool, like, little Bow Wow. Like, the generation of today, what you think them kids are today, he was already doing that. He was like, yo, you want to be the kid that I don't want no guys? To, like, I want you to be like the little... That's why the crush on you records, and you know? Every record you, you felt like I was on, it was like really like cool records. I wasn't on no hard record to my Robin and Kill it and mm-hmm. I was on grab your dick, sip you love. And all my records I was on was very fun and mm-hmm. you know. Cause that's his, that was his monster. He was the one dropping all that shit down. Like, listen, no guys gonna like, nobody gonna like you. <laughs> well, I want you to be like this little guy that smile all day and wear a knapsack and girls at school is going crazy for you for because I should do shows with them all the time. And, you know, we do college shows or like little young shows and all these girls go crazy. She's like, yo, I'm gonna write you some rounds. You gonna blow up.
2: That was his vision for
0: you. Puppy love. Puppy love. That was supposed to be the name of my first album. So after big died, I just kind of just took in my lead where just like, I right, well, wonderful world of Cesar Leo. It's gonna be in. There. But I knew what he wanted for me. He didn't want me to be hardcore. That's why I was on my album cover. For can go on those no shirt on two Jesus pieces like it's supposed to be fun because that's how he always like yo nah I expect you just to be cool and fun and he he had a mind state mm. just uh, he knew how to orchestrate what he wanted.
2: But was there one thing that stands out to you that you wish you would have seen come to fruition? The commission. Mm.
0: Yeah, I wish he would have put that together. That was something he believed in because that was something that that was like his thing to do with Hove. That was his thing to collide with Jay. You know, they never wanted, it was never a project of them doing by themselves together, but that commission was, if you listen to What's Beef, and you listen to the first intro to it, he's actually saying everybody that's in the commission, Uncle Paulie, Cesar Leo, de Janeiro, Iceberg Slim was Jay. Charlie Baltimore was Charlie. This is like, he was like creating his own, like, he was like creating all these different groups and things in his head. He had Bad Boy, right? He had that with that, right? He had Junior Mafia. Now the commission is like my new thing, right? I, my new girlfriend, Charlie, here go Lil C's. I see the Leo. I'm colliding with Jay. He goes, here go Jay-Z. Uncle Paulie is on that do all the videos, all the visuals. They go un, and I'm Frank White. This is how he was creating all these different names and all these, like, he was, motherfucker the
2: fucker was, you know, but he was different, right? Like, Were you there, there like when he works. did the 112, when he laid the 112? Uh, he sang on Sky's the Limit, the 112 part before they did it? Were you yeah. there in that studio?
0: That he was saying. He was a singer first. What do you mean? He was a singer first, like before Big rapped, he sang. What did he sing? Everything. <laughs> Everything. That's for the guy. You have the guy listened to old music. Listen to his raps. He he told you how he used to listen to old school R and B. He listened to songs. Like mm-hmm. he, he was an R and B guy.
2: Who just happened to rap phenomenal.
0: He just rapped it. Yeah.
2: Wow, he but well, he sense. was very
0: big on R&B music. He liked to listen to Isley Brothers and Luther Vandross, and you know he liked to ride his bands and listen to smooth shit. We would listen to Voyage to Atlantis* songs I never knew about. I listen to now because he sitting in the car with him all day, smoking blunts in the back of the car, and he's playing me all this Marvin Gaye and Prince, and 'cause he was just advanced like that. Mm. Dope. You don't never see him on on videos. He's singing Jersey every time I yeah. close my <laughs> that's eyes. That's classic. He was a singer first. He he loved to have fun and joke and sing songs out loud because that's just. Even play haters. There you go. He sung a whole song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like,
2: Did you have a favorite song on "Life After Death"? Yeah. What?
0: Niggas bleed. Why? Storytelling. I think that's one thing people step on him about, you know, outside of all the stuff you knew he could do, but he could really create a movie in his eyes. He's one of the guys I can sit around you with, you'll be out. Rap about, you know, somebody doing this or somebody doing that or this, that, and that happening. He'll sit there and come up with three verses, ad-libs, hook, bars, and he'll give you everything word for word. So when I listen to niggas bleed, and I listen to that third verse, that third verse is just a movie alone. We agreed to go and shoot in the city because niggas could be high and the showers, Mac Millie really saw, I freaked him. They tell the manager was Puerto Rican, Gloria, from story. I went to war, I killed dog, what the fuck is you? He's 20-something years old, we... Crazy. No, ain't no rapper did that today. And if any rapper that did it, put him on the stand right now. They ain't doing what my man did at 24 years old.
2: We we always talk about, um, you know, big passing and the impact on music and things like that. I was talking to Lazy Bone earlier, and he was just talking about the trauma. Yeah. The trauma of that time for everybody. You know, like, I, I mean, I can't even imagine... For you and and yeah. and the family and the squad, but, um, you know, he they had just done the song that Bone Thug song. You were there, yeah, hell Did, yeah, there? yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I was, that was like a dope ass session, man. That mm-hmm. shit was fun as fuck.
2: Mm-hmm. So they had just had that time with them, yep. And then the trauma kicks in, and I don't know. I I guess. How long before y'all decide, like, how are you gonna represent his legacy and move forward from that? And or are you even capable of?
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's no thinking about it. You know, when tragic things happen like that, it's like, how do you move on from it? It was just something that came with the turf of just you know, the people, people like you, you know, the world, the culture. You know the love, yeah. The, the, that played a definitely part into it, you know, of making us be calm and be cool. And you know, you listen, man. I don't like talking about it. You know, I still deal with that shit to this day. You know, they say time heals wounds. It don't heal it for me. Mm. As I get older, I realize what I lost because I ain't meeting nothing like what I lost. Mm-hmm. To this day, I ain't met nobody that treated me like him.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Nah. He make me judge my friends and family today, to this day, because if you ain't Big Dob, he was 24. You know, I was 17. I'm 44 years old to this day. You know what I mean? So I I actually look at Big like he was a a little brother now, because I outlived him when he actually raised me.
1: Big came through with a bubble vest, and pulled the hammer out looking for DJ Clue.
5: But Fat Joe found me and called me and said, hey, um, Puff's gonna call you. And then Puff called me and said, Big wants to do a song with Bone, and we're at the record plant studios.
4: After Biggie passed and the album came out and we heard his flow, it was like now the world knew that he paid homage to that flow. And it was a different respect for Bone Thugs and Harmony after he did that.